If you're a Simpsons fan, you'll find intense and immense enjoyment in a novel adaptation of the iconic cartoon legacy. Split into three acts with a 20-minute interval after Act 2, you get almost two hours of snippets from the series, skits, and even a superb a cappella song bracket that was my favourite. All is set in a post-apocalyptic world, with seven years between the first two acts and 75 years between the latter two. Clearly, the world is a very dangerous place. The threat to life and limb, a constant prospect. For the group of disparate young adults assembled and upon whom the play centres, pack weapons. In Act 1, four of them sit around a faux open fire and enthusiastically recount fine details of a Simpsons episode based upon the 1991 movie Cape Fear. Their harmony is disrupted by the arrival of a stranger, whose backpack is searched and who is heavily questioned. Before that chapter ends, though, this stranger will be singing Gilbert and Sullivan. Act 2 sees an expanded group of seven carefully rehearsing full Simpsons scenes, complete with props, when all hell breaks loose. And Act 3, involving eight performers, focuses upon a very real threat to Bart Simpson and his family from a malevolent force, presumably Sideshow Bob, who looks like a rebirth of Heath Ledger's Joker from 2008's The Dark Knight. That dastardly demon is accompanied by acolytes of 1988's Beetlejuice, supposedly itchy and scratchy from The Simpsons. The transformation of staging between acts is impressive, particularly the quantum leap taken in the third act. The set and costume designer is Sophie Woodward. At the point of re-entry after the break, the stage looks like a scene out of the 1986 musical The Phantom of the Opera, but I dare not say any more for fear of spoiling the surprise. Suffice to indicate that within that act, there's a further transformative experience. How this all connects and what it all means, I'm not at all sure. Clearly the writer Anne Washburn and director John Kachoyan, along with musical director Andrew Patterson and the cast and crew, have had a lot of fun putting the show together and in messing with our heads. On opening night, the audience audibly reveled in the audaciousness of Mr Burns. I found the first act, which ran for 40-plus minutes, relatively slow-going, I thought it needed cutting back. Not so thereafter, when the pacing and mood picked up and the storyline moved on. The multi-talented cast, most of whom fill multiple roles, gels particularly well, with a number of look-at-me performances, including those from Dylan Watson and Mark Yates. In fact, by the way the show's been written, it encourages grandstanding and benefits as a result. Still, reeling off songs or parts thereof without musical accompaniment, one after another, which involves the collective, was hard to top. Mr Burns' A Post-Electric Play is on at 45 Downstairs, 45 Flinders Lane in Melbourne, until the 10th of March, 2019. Subscribe to the full podcast at Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.